Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Guys in a Comic. And today we have a very cool special guest, someone, you know, usually we bring on artists, writers, uh, sometimes presidents, everything else. But this is something a little bit different, um, something that we've never really uh, talked about too much. But we have a former assistant editor for Marvel on the show, Heather Antos, and we are excited to bring you on. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Oh, we're having doing well. There. Thank you for having me on. Oh yeah, well, no, thanks, for joining, thanks for joining us. That is a great thing. Like I said, we've not—I don't think we've ever had really any editors besides Tom DeFalco on the show. Uh, but Roy, Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas too, but they didn't really talk about the editing side of things. They talked more about you know the work they did and the writing they put in and stuff. But they didn't really talk about. I guess Tom did a little bit about the background and stuff, but that was a whole, a few, you know, that was back in the 90s. This isn't current times now. So Yeah, current. We haven't had anybody current. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, so we're, we're very excited to have so you, you on. So you got a former editor to be your current one. Is that? Yeah, is yeah that... basically. You're close <laughs> enough. It works out. Well, former is only like, what, uh, three, four weeks? What, it's like a month and a half, maybe? Two months. Two months. two months. Two months. Yeah, oh. yeah. But I'm still, I'm still just, I'm not at Marvel, but I'm still editing comics. So it's all, don't worry. Don't worry. It's That's all cool. good. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So um, the number one thing that I'm going to start off this with question wise, and it's just because I had quite a few of our fans when I threw out your name out there to some of our fans and some of the uh, forums and stuff that we're in. Uh, one of the biggest questions that I got was, uh, what exactly does an assistant editor uh, for comic books too like what are the main responsibilities and roles that you had to take on well it, it varies uh, it varies from publisher to publisher of course i can only speak to marvel because i've only been an assistant editor at marvel and but even within the company it varies um your role varies depending on the the editor that you're working with uh i was very fortunate under jordan white to be given a lot of my own responsibilities. And so I, though my title was still assistant editor when I left at Marvel, I, the majority of my titles that I was working on, I was fully editing on my own with no, um, with no editor above me. But yeah, so an assistant editor is basically you are assisting your editor in any way, shape or form that is, can be as, um, low on the totem pole as just making sure the freelancers are getting paid, which is a very important task. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> People uh, like they, like, they like when they get paid, and they like <laughs> when they get paid fast. Um, but also, you know, you're, you're making schedules. You're making sure that the writers and artists are, are hitting their deadlines. You're, you know, comparing scripts to layouts. You're doing proofreading. You're giving. And then, you know, the, the longer you're in there, you, you then get to give script notes and then get to give art notes and, and help with casting decisions and pitching story ideas. <laughs> Basically, you're doing everything that an editor does. You just have someone above you saying yes or no to you. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I know you started like I think it was back in 2014 for Marvel, if I'm correct. Yep. And um, yeah. how did how did that end up happening? Like how did you get your foot in the door with Marvel? Uh, yeah. So I graduated college in 2013, and I was in that uh, period of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and one of my friends said to me, "Was like, well, you know, you've always." you've always liked comics. Why don't you work in comics? And up until that point, it had never 
crossed my mind that like, oh yeah, people get paid for a living to make comics. You know, they never had like a comic artist or writer come to career day in, in my little small Midwestern town. So it just, it was never, it, it, it just never crossed my mind that that was an option that I had. Um, but as soon as that option was presented to me, it was all I wanted. Um, I'd, I'd always loved comics and, and the culture and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've spent my entire life, you know, writing and drawing and performing and telling stories. And, and so it just seemed like a perfect fit. Um, and at the time as a hobby, I was doing a lot of reviewing and interviewing for a bunch of different, you know, geek pop culture websites. So I already was, um, familiar with the creative landscape and had interacted with a bunch of different creators at the time. Um, so the next thing was then trying to figure out, you know, how does one break in? And at that time I realized, you know, there are a lot of books out there on how to be a writer. There are a lot of books out there on how to be an artist, a colorist, a letterer, whatever, but no one ever talked about an editor. No one ever talked about what does an editor do? And that was really fascinating to me. Because obviously an editor is a very important role, but it, an editor in comics can't be the same thing as an editor in, in traditional publishing. Like there's there's a lot more involved with comics or a lot of different things involved, I should say. And so I wanted I wanted to know more about that. I've always liked a challenge. That was a challenge. I'm going to figure out what an editor does and then I'm going to do it. Uh, and so I did what every good millennial does in this digital age. I began tweeting any comic book editor that I could find their handle for. Um, and was just like, I'm going to be at C2E2 in April. I want to talk comic editing. Will anyone, will, will anyone be willing to sit down and, and, and talk with me? And that's how I first met Jordan. Um, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Let's talk. And I was like, cool. I disguised it as like, oh, it's going to be an interview for my website I'm writing for, but I'm also looking for personal gain here. Yeah. Uh, sneaky, sneaky. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was great. Uh, Jordan at the time he was, uh, editing the Deadpool books. The Deadpool books have always been some of my favorite at Marvel. Uh, the Jerry Duggan and Declan Shelby's run on the good, the bad and the ugly. One of the best Deadpool arcs of all time had just wrapped. Um, so we had a lot to talk about and, and Jordan just sat down and, you know, I interviewed him about what it is an editor does. And it, it just, something clicked with me. Like he, he was talking about, you know, like the, the, how you're, you're, how making a comic is a lot like alchemy. You know, the editor's job is to, you have the story pitch and then it's finding the right artists and the right writer and the right inker and the right colorist and the right letterer and you're putting it into a pot and just hoping what comes out is gold um and i thought that was a really really cool analogy for it and i i wanted to do that so i left c2e2 trying to then figure out okay like i want to do this how do i how do i show publishers that that i can do this because at this point i'd graduated college i can't get an internship um, you know, I, I, I need to figure out how to stand out and how to, how to make myself, you know, stand out above interns that, that have interned at Marvel that are getting these jobs. And so that's when I decided I was going to create a comic anthology. I was going to put it together, publish the whole thing, fund it, edit it, you know, make it look good, prove what I can do. 
And so I spent the next three months doing that. Um, ended up having over what I think over 50 creators from three different continents, 10 different countries involved, uh, was extremely successful on Kickstarter. Um, the Kickstarter was wrapping up at New York comic con. And so I went to the comic con with a bunch of different little ash cans, like samples of the book that I could be like, Oh, you know, look, you know, look what I've done. We're, we're in our last week into funding. If you like this, throw us a couple bucks. While I was there, I ended up running into Jordan White again. And he remembered me and we said hi. And I said, hey, remember me? Remember a conversation we had at C2E2? Look what I've done since. Um, and he was like, oh, this is really cool. Would you ever be willing to move to New York? And I was like, absolutely. And he was like, cool, give me your contact information. And a month later, I started interviewing for a job at Marvel. <laughs> and cool. the rest is history. So, yeah, it was, I mean, long story short, TLDR, you know, like, I wanted to make comic books. I made a comic <laughs> book. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what I did. Um, and, you know, there, there was a little bit of luck in the timing of everything involved. But there was a lot of hard work that went into it. Uh, because it's true. Like, when Marvel, when Marvel hires new assistants and new editors, they look at their interns first and mm -hmm. foremost. Um, and I just didn't have that luxury of having that, that backstory. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you brought that up, that you made your own comment, because one of the things that Ma Matt Hawkins from Top Cow told us whenever, like, we asked him, you know, as, you know, someone who's president of a company, what is it something you look for? And he's like, it's not about just turning in pages or, like, a little script or anything like that. He's like, most of these bigger companies now, they want to see, like, you put the effort in, you do a full-blown book, you show me that on your own, you can make this. And, I mean, you did it, and you're just a textbook example, I guess, of how it works out that way. I, partially being aside from being at the right place at the right time and the right timing and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's like when, when new writers, you know, I, I, I talk with a lot of, um, you know, uh, amateur writers and, and less experienced writers. They're like, how do I break into Marvel? How do I break in? And I was just like, uh, they're like, will you read my script? Will you read my script? And I'm like, no, like we want to read a comic. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like if you're going to be a comic book writer, you can't just write a script. You have to be able to to work and collaborate with artists and you have to, you know, you have to be able to put out a finished product. Um, and so, you know, for all you aspiring writers out there, <laughs> make a comic. Yeah. <laughs> Great advice. Right? Just do it. <laughs> you heard it first right here from Heather Antos. Uh, make a comic. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um I think yeah. I'm gonna. I know I keep speaking and I keep asking all the questions. I'm gonna. I have, this will be my last one. I'm gonna let the other guys speak for a little bit. Um, but something else that was uh, brought up to my attention. I didn't really think about it too too much, but um, until now. But you were there from 2014 until just recently, and in that even that little short period of time, a lot of different little crazy things happened at Marvel. Um, especially the whole Disney thing where Star Wars going back, which you had a big part of with the editing with all the Star Wars books and stuff. But then the renumbering in books, Secret Wars, rebooting things. Uh, there was a bunch of different, like, I guess, little chaotic things going on at Marvel at the time. Uh, how did Legacy. you handle it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so 
I don't know. <laughs> it's all part <laughs> of the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all part of the job. It's like one of those things like you get called into a meeting and and you know, the higher-ups are like this is a thing we're doing and we're just kind of like okay, cool. How does this affect me? You know, like yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then and then at the end of the day for me it's all about like okay, like this is a thing that 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 we're doing. I'm an assistant editor. I don't get to tell, right. you know, Joe Casada, no, that's just not a thing that that I get to do. Yeah. Um, so it's it's then like how how is this going to affect my books? How can I protect best protect my creators? How can I make sure that my creators, you know, vision will be as unaffected by this as much as possible? Or how can I use this new change um, in the status quo to? help support my creators and their visions and, and push it even further. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like for me, it was all about, it, it's all about the story, right? It's all about telling the best story and um, numbering is going to change. All right, cool. How can we, how can we use that to, to help the story or will it help the story? You know, will it help or hurt? Um, do we, do we just ignore it? Um, yeah. So at the, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, I want to make sure my freelancers are, are, are comfortable. I want to make sure that, you know, they're able to still tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm right, well, done asking the questions. You go ahead, Michael all right. or Matt. <laughs> You're done. No right. more, no more from you. <laughs> maybe so later. I have, I've got maybe like five different things that I want to circle back to. Uh, first being, now you said that uh, you were fully editing some stuff by the time that you left. What were some of those things that you're fully editing? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think the first series that I took over was X-Men 92, um, followed by Merc for Money. So the way it works, right? The uh-huh. way it works is when you're an assistant editor, um, you might get like a a one shot or like a backup story or something like that. Like that's the first thing that is yours. You know, you get these five pages or you get this one annual or, or something like that. But usually that is um pre-approved or set up you know by by a supervisor a senior editor like oh you know you can edit this annual but i already cast it and approved the pitch you're just you know making the trains run on time um in my case my first projects were x-men 92 is going to end after this arc heather you get to take control of the last arc it's already sort of been pitched out by by chad and chris because you know jordan cast the book and and set it up but i get to now like all these last five issues i get to give notes on the script et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. you already know the series is ending mm-hmm. um so like how bad can an assistant fuck it up right it's already ending <laughs> uh so you know that's that's their safety net but the assistant gets to feel like they have some autonomy et cetera. Et cetera. um yeah. but i think i think my bigger projects that that uh you know i'm most known for are obviously gwenpool um, a bunch of Deadpool miniseries I did, like Deadpool v. Punisher, Deadpool Old Man Logan, and then a ton of Star Wars stuff, um, like Dr. Aphra and Thrawn and the adaptations. I love Dr. Aphra. Uh, ah, yes. Yes. Who doesn't? I know. She's just, she's just an awesome character. <laughs> now, you're talking about how you might get like some of the last few issues uh, in, a, in a story or something like that. 
Do you find yourself having to do a lot of back reading to make sure that uh, the continuity is there in the stories? Um, I it depends on the on the stories. It depends on the series. I mean, like you know, it it depends on how continuity heavy they are, right? Like mm-hmm. with with yeah. with Deadpool, we didn't run into that a lot. With with Gwenpool, we didn't run into that a lot, or we got to use it to our advantage, mm-hmm. really. Um, and and Star Wars is we're making the new continuity. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so so with X Men ninety two, I relied. I relied a lot on Chad and Chris for that. I will admit I wasn't an X-Men reader. Um, those, those comics were not that, that just wasn't, wasn't the thing that I was into at that time. And they know them forwards and backwards front ways and sideways. Um, so I, I relied a lot more on them, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of the nice things working at Marvel is you have Marvel comics at your disposal. So if there was something that was referenced, something that you needed to read, you know, the library was just down the hall. Marvel unlimited was, you know, just a click away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the special projects, trades guides that write the handbooks and they're just, their breadth of knowledge blows me away when it comes to Marvel. So uh, there's a lot of assets on hand. Um, I got I to ask real quick. You, you talk yeah. about that Marvel library. What is it? A big room filled with the uh, back issues of comics? Uh, it is sort of. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh I, I just want to step in there, please. <laughs> it's 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 not that big. It's a very. Uh-huh. It's actually kind of tiny. Um, and it's one of those, like, I like to call it fat man's misery because it's just like, you know, that the walkway is maybe, maybe two feet wide, oh, you wow. know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just, uh, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't, you say that I picture, you know, Indiana Jones warehouse type of deal. You know, you're walking <laughs> oh, I, I wish, of right? and art and. You have to run away from a boulder and, uh, you know, stop some traps before you get to the vault. Yeah, no, Marvel, Marvel Comics are in New York. There's not that much space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man, that'd be cool. But um, I also want to um, earlier when you first uh, jumped on, you mentioned something about uh, you did uh, pitching of story ideas. Yeah. I just want to talk about that a little bit. What are some of the stories that you pitched? One of my favorites that unfortunately got shot down due to... Uh-oh. Due to uh, just 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 uh, IP concerns, um, but we got as far as to talking to to the to the the owners. I I have so I love James Bond. Anyone who knows me knows I love oh. love love James Bond, and I love any, anyone in particular. Any any particular Bond? I you know growing up, I I was a kid when Pierce Brosnan was in the in the film. So uh-huh. like as a kid, you know, I love Pierce Brosnan, but then I go back and watch it and see how awful it is and, and cry a little. <laughs> yeah. But I really do like Daniel Craig. I think he's a good yeah. Bond. Yeah. I really like it. And those movies are just so good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Bond fan. I'm, I'm a Sean Connery fan myself. But okay. I do like, I, I do like Pierce Brosnan, especially with the Barrington Steel days on TV. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, day one, day one, I uh, I had this pitch, uh, Double O Deadpool. Um, mm. And I was like, the name just sells itself. You don't even have to pitch it. Like, it just, yeah. you, you just Double O Deadpool, and you just see Deadpool in a tuxedo with, you know, like a pistol on the cover. And I did get this cover, actually. If you look at the cover for, uh, I think it was Deadpool number two um, from October 2015 by Kevin Wada. 
uh, I think I have to look this up now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Deadpool with a martini glass and a pistol um, and a tuxedo. Uh, no, I, I, I remember that cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that yeah. was me. I was like, I want like a That's James awesome. Bond Deadpool cover, and I got it, and it's awesome, and it's just one of my favorite things I did while I was at Marvel. But yeah, Double O Deadpool. It's like Deadpool ends up over in England for whatever reason on a mission for whatever reason. It's Deadpool. We can make it up, but he's there. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm I'm in England, so I have to do as the British do, and you know, him being the pop culture aficionado, he just pretends he's James Bond the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately we weren't able to do that because the James Bond people are extremely litigious. We found out, mm. <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, a couple things uh, like, uh, Deadpool, Oban Logan was my pitch. Um, mm. and that, that series turned out a lot of fun. Uh, Deadpool Shakespeare, that, that, uh, crazy adventure was my pitch. Um, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're all fun. I don't know. Of course. <laughs> Any Star Wars pitches? Uh, I mean, I was pitching for a Thrawn book since I, the day I started. And, uh, you know, our, our sales guy was like, who, who's Thrawn? And I was like, he's the blue guy. <laughs> he's like, who? And I was like, I don't know. He's the best character ever. Um, but... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they want books that are that are gonna make money, and so they, our marketing team wasn't comfortable doing an original story with Thrawn because they weren't sure how it would sell. So they're like, "What if we do an adaptation of the novel?" Adaptations are usually a pretty like a, a guaranteed you're gonna make X amount. Yeah. Um, you'll get X amount of orders from adaptation. So I was, you know, like it's, it wasn't an original tale, but I got a Thrawn comic. It was amazing. <laughs> cool. I can say, I, ha- I gotta be honest. I have all three issues. I just haven't dove into them yet. It's on my pile to read. You're dead to me. This podcast is over. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. Done. Can, can we kick him off the call? Can we no. just like boot him? He's yeah. gone. He though, voted I off the island every, now. <laughs> I collect every Star Wars issue, though. I do. I get okay. they're all in my pull box. Yep. What's He's... your favorite? What's your favorite one? <sighs> my gosh, that's hard. Uh, Doctor Alpha's probably then Darth Vader, and I like both volumes of Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, oh, they're just so great. And yeah. then there's the one shot which I actually, if I read correctly, you had uh, a part in, which is the that one shot with the C3PO and how he got his arm. arm. Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yep. That was awesome. I'm telling you, it was just a, you read this and it's like, oh, I got to reread this one more time and tell everybody in the world to pick up this issue so the movie makes a little more sense. <laughs> I'm so glad that people love that comic as much as they do because it's you know like people don't know what goes on behind the scenes for comics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, and so they don't know, you know, the drama that goes into it or anything like that. And that one in particular, because it was our first time working on a comic that was so closely tied with a film with mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. It was any, any time there's a comic that is, has to do with film related stuff. Like it's particularly, mm-hmm. uh, the approval process is a lot, is a lot stricter and a lot harder. I can imagine scrutinizing every panel. I know. Exactly. I imagine a and, lot of people are just sitting there walking on eggshells, just be like, oh, am I going to get in trouble for this? <laughs> Ooh, that right. means, was there any panel that didn't make it that should have been in there? Uh, 
no, no panels. Oh, okay. okay. No, 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 nothing like that. But like, so the red, the red arm idea and the story idea came straight from JJ himself. Uh-huh. And so he wanted to be very involved with the process. And so it was just one of those, like, because, like, okay, we're working around JJ's schedule while he's trying to put out this, you know, billion-dollar film. Sure, mm-hmm. we're going to get a comic out. That's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was just, it was just, it was a process getting that book out the door. And so by the time, like, it went, I think George and I were both, like, I don't, care if we ever see c-3po ever again like we're just, we're just so done with it we're just so done with that comic and then it came out and everyone's like this is the greatest thing ever let's talk yeah. about it we want to talk to you guys about it and we're just yeah. like we're so happy you liked it but we don't want to talk about it <laughs> we're done with it was, it. it was trauma it was just it was just triggering <laughs> but no you guys did a really great job with it it was awesome very awesome and now but C-3PO has the gold arm again. So. Yeah, yeah, that lasted a real long time, right? <laughs> oh, man. Right. Whole two-hour yeah. movie. Yep. Yeah, that was it. Oh, well, hey, Matt, um, give you some uh, quality time over here with Heather. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do have a couple questions uh, from our fans. Um, that uh, A couple of them are just your opinion, and then other ones – you may or may not know. I don't know, so we'll see. Um, so the first one that's more so your opinion is, what characters do you think Marvel should be using more of? Um, Batman, uh, <laughs> Superman, uh, <laughs> James Bond. Uh, <laughs> I guess I could joke Conan, but I guess that's a possibility now. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, gosh, I... I, I mean, has it been announced? Have they announced a thing yet to go along with the TV show? I don't know. Cloak and Dagger. I love Cloak and Dagger. I, you know, I, I like their small stints they had in slots. Spidey, Spidey Run. I personally am a huge, huge horror fan, and I. I had towards towards the end of my time at Marvel, I had this like pitch in the back of my head that that I I was, you know, thinking about whether or not do I want to pitch this, um, and it was a revamp of the Holland Commandos, um, to do like a, you know, kind of like a serialized Monster of the Week type type book. Um, I would really want to do. I like horror, and Marvel doesn't really have anything. Like, the closest they have is Moon Knight, but he's not even, nope. you know. Nah. He, it's he, good, though. It's really it's, good. It's really but... good. I love that yeah. book. And, like, yep. there's there's an opportunity to make it a horror book if you want to, but it's that's just not what, what Max and Jason are doing, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I want, you know, like, I had this pitch for, like, a Dark Defenders book. Oh, um, that would be sick. Yeah, like get, get Voodoo and Moon Knight and Punisher and like Magic cool. or Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can still have like a good superhero team with some A-listers on it. But, you know, it's this is our version of Hellblazer. This is our version of, you know, the Spectre. This is our version of Gotham by Midnight. Like I, I would really want something like that. Um, so that's what I say. Well, I'd love to see Blade come back. Yeah. yeah he Blade- did for a short while in that what midnight suns or whatever but they need more of that he just made an appearance in 
was it Iron Man with Riri? Oh, really? Yeah, he just made an appearance in that because it, it's a storyline that isn't going to happen now uh, because oh. it, it was something. <laughs> you no, know, like it. Well, because it was a Bendis thing. Like it was. It was a thing uh, that Bendis planned. Gotcha. Um, and so, like, Blade made an appearance in one of his last issues. So it started this storyline that I think is just not going to go anywhere for obvious reasons. Um, but I am. It's one of those loose strings that I'm very. I, I want to see if Marvel does anything with because I know it exists. Like, but, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Blade just shows up and talks to Riri. And then I don't think we ever see him ever he again. Just oh, he just disappears. It's like great talk. He's like her fairy, he's her fairy godfather and then just disappears. <laughs> well, it's something yeah. like, it's something to the extent of she has a phone, like, she's she has a phone call. It's like, I think it's MIT or something is calling to like offer her a, a full ride or something. And, and Blade is like, don't answer the phone. And she's like, who are you? And then she answers the phone and then that's it. Like I have an offer to make you or something mysterious, something alluding to like read the next issue, except it doesn't happen. Oh. <laughs> Don't answer that's, the phone. Why? Sounds like something uh, <laughs> But it's because I'm going to DC and then that's you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then Blade hangs out with Hellblazer and Yeah. Right. yeah. I'd read dope. that comic. Maybe a swamp. Yeah, thing shows oh up. god, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see like a because DC has some amazing supernatural characters and I love like the supernatural aspect like I love Constantine I love the Spectre I love uh, Justice League Dark you know all that stuff yeah. and so I think it'd be amazing if they were to ever do a crossover again to include like Blade and Ghost Rider and Moon like oh Werewolf by Night you know like that would be that'd be an amazing crossover in my opinion it'll never happen but it'd be amazing. Oh yeah, like there's there's so much opportunity, but yeah, it's just it's, I want a good horror comic. I love horror. I live for horror comics. It's all uh it's there's some so good weird. indie ones. Yeah, I mean there's oh, a lot yeah, of good some, indie. There's amazing indie ones. Like don't Correct. get me yeah. like one of the things that that just like has blown my mind over the past few years of working at Marvel is like we you know we do a substantial amount of work with Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn um, has done so much work with Marvel over the years, but he's not done anything really horror like at Marvel. And Colin Bunn, if His you read, amazing. If you read yeah. anything else he does, it's horror, and it's yep. mind blowing. Like it's absolutely mind blowing how creepy and scary and fucked up some of that shit is. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, why? Why don't we use that? We have this great asset and we have this wonderful, you know, Bible of characters to pull from. And Mar- but Marvel's just not interested in doing horror. So yeah. it's weird They're because, lost. you know, you think about it like way back in like the late 70s, mid 70s and stuff. You know, that was kind of a big thing. You had your Chambers of Chills. You had your Tomb of Dracula, your Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. Um, you even yeah. had, uh, you know, Man Thing and stuff. Like Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker. Yeah. Man Thing is one of my favorite like comic characters has always been and you know rl stein did his little thing with martin but it yeah. didn't even do it yeah. i didn't even do it justice it was <laughs> no, not man i was it wasn't spooky i was really it was disappointed yeah. yeah i was really, yeah. really disappointed that we were super excited when it was announced we were like "Ooh, this could be cool and then he i read some interview where he had said that he was gonna take it back you know to like that 1950s kind of ec feel and i was like oh this is gonna be amazing and then it came out, and I went, what is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I was very confused. 
I was like, this isn't at all what I read. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're yeah. so right, though. There, there's so many characters to pull from. Marvel, I mean, has the people there. Like you said, Colin Bunn, who could do these horror characters in comics justice. Oh, my gosh. It's just, why don't you pull the trigger? Just try it, you know? Yeah, well, and that's, that was the thing. I was, I was just like, there's an audience out there, obviously. Like, look at how many horror comics are out there. Look, mm-hmm. you know, like, they're, they're out there. Um, and they wouldn't be publishing them if people weren't buying them. So, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Happens. What is one of your favorite indie horror ones? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's I mean, it's Colin Bunn. But uh, The Empty Man, uh, Colin Bunn and Vanessa Del Rey uh, was Boom, I think, did it. Uh, came out, I want to say 2013, 2014. And it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this this weird disease, supernatural disease starts coming and like taking over people and making them go crazy and this cult like starts worshiping it um and and it's like one of those weird where like religious themes are mixed with like the supernatural horror and it's super creepy Vanessa Del Rey like her art is insanely creepy and it's so good it's so 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 good and it got greenlit for a movie I think or television show was talking with Colin about and I just I can't wait to see what they do with it um so yeah I, I think that one's really good I get I I read anything Colin does so all of my horror tastes are gonna right now are gonna be like, Colin 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 yeah Six but, uh, Gun is one of my favorites I love the Six Gun Six Gun Harrow County is really good Harrow County The Damned the Damned, yeah, uh, and Fidel which isn't Colin uh <laughs> which is just coming out from Image is really good um yeah I read- love it's more of a slasher horror book. Um, uh, Alex and I love it, but have you read uh, Lord of Gore? Oh, yeah. I, I've not. It's uh, Devil's Due. It's Daniel Leister on art and uh, CB. God, I cannot DB, remember his last name. DB. DB. DB Holloway, I think his last name is. Um, he, or DB Stanley. Sorry, DB Stanley. He's uh, the writer on it. And I think there's like four issues out right now. They're kind of slow. It's They're coming out through Devil's slow. Due, but it's, uh, oh, God, it's good. It's a. It's cool. more of like a eighties. It's a definitely a, a like like eighties yeah. slasher. So the whole premise is like um, there is a like uh, I guess a series of horror movies, kind of like Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street, and they have this one character on it, right? That's like the Lord of Gore, and that's like your Jason Voorhees in it. But uh, what really ends up happening is like a murder actually happened on set by someone dressed as the Lord of Gore. And what's happening now is a bunch of people are getting slaughtered by this character, but they're trying to figure out if it's, like, who's doing it, basically. So they're, like, going back and forth and, like, having to rewatch movies to get clips and stuff or go interview, like, directors and stuff that worked on the film to try. But it's, like, a murder mystery kind of thing with, like, this slasher character like Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a, lot a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, and it's uh, they're not afraid to hold back on the uh, blood and guts in it, so that's always yeah, it's very, it's very graphic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, definitely. So aside from the movies, because we all know Marvel's winning that one hands down. Um, <laughs> what do what else do you see as Marvel's strengths over some of their direct competitors? Uh, you know, I. Uh, hmm. 
Or are you like nothing because I left question. Marvel and I don't care? Nothing. I left. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, cool. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get a ton of Marvel questions. I get that. That's cool. That's cool. I don't. I don't know if I would say it's necessarily. A. I, it depends on your perspective, but I would say one of Marvel's strengths uh, over over other publishers is. Marvel tells stories about Peter Parker. Peter Parker just happens to be Spider-Man. Um, whereas DC tells stories about Batman. Batman just happens to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, and, and when you take that angle, um, I think it, it, it makes the characters a lot more relatable and a lot more human. Um, I think it's a lot easier to relate to a kid who's struggling to pay rent and, and, and is trying to find meaning in, in these abilities and skills that he has than it is about a dude in a mask. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. And so I think there's a lot more humanization um, in in the Marvel storylines. But again, that's not what everyone's looking for. You know, some people just want just want the stories about the mask, which to each their own. Um, but yeah, that's that's. That's why I gravitate. I think I think Marvel's heroes are more interesting. Um, their stories are more interesting. I, I like DC's villains better. Um, yeah. Awesome. And then uh, someone else is asking, and I think I, I was able to kind of answer this one for him, but maybe you have some more insight. Um, they were wanting to know when Gwenpool is coming back. Um, I know that she was just announced for, is it West Coast Avengers that's coming yep. out that she was announced for? Um, yeah. But is there any other things that you're aware of that she's going to be coming back for? I am aware of a lot of things that I Oh, but you can't say. As I like to say, this is one of my favorite things. I know things that you don't know you don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. But you don't work at Marvel, so what no. is the third? <laughs> you, had to sign, you probably had to sign like some NDA. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't work at Marvel anymore, but I still consult. <laughs> oh, okay. You can't burn bridges, Red Skull. <laughs> oh. oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that's cool then. So, um, you know, what was I? Oh, yeah. Um, something that I remember being. I know I said I wasn't asked for a while, but it's been a whole minute. Um, <laughs> uh, something that I got asked was uh, with uh, Dr. Afra actually, and um, what your opinion was on how fast the character like caught on and the popularity of just this character that was introduced just like spiraled into this new favorite of uh, most Star Wars the fans. Which yeah. went real well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Karen. Karen's amazing, right? Like Karen yeah. can write himself out of a paper bag, and it'll be fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, you know, she was just, she was just a character that Karen pitched to us just to have a a good opposite to Vader. You know, Vader's Vader. Vader doesn't talk a lot. Um, and when he does, it's usually in like three word sentences and usually it ends with someone dying. Um, so, you know, she was put in to, to keep the comic like somewhat light a little bit and not always so moody. And and yeah, like no one, no one could have anticipated her popularity. No one could have anticipated the way she took off. Um, and we're all really, really, really excited about it. And so when we had to end um, Kieran's run on Vader 
we were trying to come up with different things to replace it with. And Jordan and I were just like, what about APRA? Like, what if, you know, let, let's try it. Uh, and she's her her solo series has done amazingly well and mm-hmm. seeing her show up and, you know, the different mobile games has been amazing. And last year she won the fan vote for Hasbro. She's getting her own action figure. And that just blows my mind. Like all the cosplayers. It's, it's just, you know, when, when you see something that you've created take off in such an unexpected way, and then here we are three years later and continuing, you know, to, to, to thrive. It's just, there's no feeling to describe it. It's just so cool to, to see something like that connect with so many different people across the world. Um, I hope we get her in a movie one day. Who knows? Mm. I hope. Be cool. Get her thrown out of an airlock. Yeah. (laughs) I loved how that ended. Oh my God. That was just, that was so good. So clever. Um, I only had really one big question left to ask. And that was uh, when we first started talking, you said something about you're still doing editing. That's kind of curious on what are some of the things that you're still working on? Yeah, uh, so I can't talk about too many of them because not everything, uh, you know, uh, can't can't spoil all the goods yet. Uh, but I'm still very much in comics. Um, most notably, I'm working on Redlands with Image. Um, I was story consultant on Volume One, and now I'm full on editing Volume Two. I'm also working on Injection with Image. Um, so those are the only two projects right now that have been announced that I can talk about. Um, but I have a couple really, really big projects at image that I can't wait until we can talk about. Um, and that's all I can say with that. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. It's exciting Uh, though. I know it is. It is exciting. It's, it's still, I mean, I've only been away from Marvel for a couple of months, so it's, that like there's been a lot of time for announcements to come out but um Mm -hmm. i've i've been asked to do some writing which is kind of exciting uh, getting to dabble into that um doing some cult consulting with a couple different companies here and there in in comics so yeah i'm still very much involved in comics um can't get rid of me um just on to bigger and better things here to stay and and you also you were also doing something with like a gaming company is that right it's a unicorn yeah Yeah, I'm with yeah. an esports, uh, esports company called Unicorn. Um, so they, their, big pro- their, their big product that they offer is, you know, uh, they have their own cryptocurrency called Unicorn Gold that's used for um, just uh, betting on, on esports. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really deal with any of that because uh, I, I deal with editorial and content. So um, I oversee all things on the on the news front so interviews news editorials off off pieces tournament coverage podcasts that sort of thing in the esports world um Mm -hmm. so now instead of just you know getting to write off comics on my taxes i get to write off video games too it's pretty good very nice (laughs) it's all research right research it's all research all of it I, I, I do the, I do the same thing myself, you know, claiming that at the end of the year, it's all research material. Cool. Well, I think that's all I've got. Um, Yay! Happy things. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um, Red Skull, uh, Michael, do you have anything left? Otherwise, I'm going to close this out. I'm good to go. Other than a big thank you, Heather, for joining us tonight. Yeah. Of course. All right. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again, Heather, for coming on, uh, four guys and talking with us and everything. You're always welcome back. Whenever you maybe get some of these uh, other announcements to come out, maybe we could talk about more of the stuff you're going to be working on in the future. And, uh, you know, thanks again. Like I said, thanks for coming on, talking with us, uh, sharing your experiences, and thank you for everything you do in the comic world for us. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. Would love to come back for sure. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's going to end this episode of Four Guys in a Comic, well, our interview portion, and we will uh, see you back here soon.